0: Hi and welcome to the Midlife Feast, the podcast for women who are hungry for more in this season of life. I'm your host, Dr. Genevieve Huber. Come to my table, listen and learn from me, trusted guest experts in women's health, and interviews with women just like you. Each episode brings to the table juicy conversations designed to help you feast on midlife. So welcome to this week's episode of Story Sessions. So the Story Sessions are the stories that women just like us want to share about their midlife experience and just try and lead us to where they are in midlife and what they've learned and how it's just made things a little bit better. So Erin, welcome to the Midlife Feast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. So orient our listeners, where are you in this midlife journey?
1: So, well, I'm going to be 45 and in like two months. And I feel like I've been in perimenopause for, I think a while, like I got my period when I was 10. So I feel like I'm due (laughs) to be almost done very soon. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think I'm I've st- like for the last couple of years, I've been having periods that go sixty days and then maybe thirty days and then oh. forty five days and then 20 days, (laughs) you know, so it's been doing that for the last couple of years.
0: (laughs) So you're definitely probably in perimenopause. Those Mm -hmm. cycle length changes of at least seven days on either side are very indicative that you're starting to run out of eggs (laughs) and and your ovaries are starting to sputter. (laughs) So along with all these changes in our period and, you know, what's happening with that, Often women will start to experience what I call like the changes in the experience or the feeling of how we experience our day-to-day life and how we interact with ourselves and other people. Erin, you sent me something that I think was incredibly powerful. So I'm going to read it back to you and then I'd love to hear more about it. You said, I'd like to talk about finding the meaning of life in midlife. And by that I mean... Learning that life is about more than constantly trying to be smaller and lighter, and feeling like I wasn't good enough if my body was size X. And I think that what I really picked up on was finding like redefining what life is because, as an undieter and an ex-dieter, a lot of your life was spent on a diet. So, reclaiming that. So, tell us, tell us about that.
1: Yeah, that. I, re- I remember that day, like I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, this cannot be what life is about. Life cannot be constantly telling yourself, you know, you're too fat, you're too this, you're too, you're too heavy, you're too, you know, you should, you should be able to f- fit more easily in society. It can't always be about that. And it just, I thought, I'm not, go-. and I was, well just about 40 and um my mom had just passed away she died when i was 39 and my dad died at 32 and i just remember i think that was part of it i just said i cannot spend the rest of my years on this earth if i'm lucky to have another you know 30 or 40 years i cannot spend it just thinking i'm not good enough because like I said before, because diet culture has told me I'm not good enough. And I, I just, I posted a bit on Facebook. <laughs> because I went, this is it. I am not doing this anymore. And you know, it was so freeing. And it was so like, yeah, why, why am I feeling like this is what life has always been, is to be on this hamster wheel trying to make myself something that it's not going to be. You know, yeah. and trying to make myself physically sick, trying to be a different body. And I, I struggle, I mean, I did everything under the sun because I was told that if I did that, it would work and I'd be happy and it would be great mm-hmm. and everything would be wonderful. And it, it, I remember I called into a radio show one time because they were talking about um, how people should just lose weight. Like what's so hard about it? Why is it such a hard thing? And you know, why do people struggle with it? It, it? It's just don't eat as much. Right. And I called in and I said, you know, I, I did keto and I lost a lot of weight. And I said, I felt worse about myself at the end of that journey than I did going through it. And when people are telling you, wow, you look great. You lost so much weight. Oh my God, you look amazing. There's something in you that says, I don't buy this. This isn't. Yes. Me. And it just, the lady on the phone, was like what? Like she it did not make any sense to her that I felt worse at a lower weight in a smaller body, and mentally it really messed with my head. And I had to take stock of, and that was sort of at that time all of that that epitome about uh, life, mm-hmm. uh, and that the meaning of life is not to constantly try to make yourself a smaller bodied person that all came out at that time and I thought oh thank goodness that I've, I've I've seen through the veil. I've seen through this mystic haze they put over us that says, this is what you need in your life. You need diet. You need this. You need, you know, and I thought, no, no, I've seen behind that now. And now I know what the real meaning of life is. And it's not that. It's just to love the people who are here with you and love every day that you have. And I tell people every day that I love them and that I, I care to be around them because I want them to know that that, is what the meaning of life is to enjoy the time here. We don't know how long we have, and I am not going to spend another second of it feeling like I'm not worthy of being on this earth because my body is bigger than somebody else's.
0: So you had your, you were Brené Brown. I've turned that into a verb for this podcast. So, um, you know, the the quote that she has about how midlife is when life grabs you by the shoulders and says, I'm not screwing around. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, that was your Brené Brown moment. Absolutely. And, and the thing about it is that your experience of, and I'm using air quotes, succeeding at weight loss, getting to a shape and size that is culturally acceptable, is valued, deemed worthy. And yet you had the very clear experience that feeling good about your body does not make you feel good in your body. And we live in our bodies. And so, you know, you can get to whatever size or number that you think you're going to get to, but it doesn't feel real because you know that what you're doing is unsustainable. You know that it hinges on all these pieces, always fitting. And when you get to 40, you realize that There is no life where all the pieces always fit (laughs) and food has to be part of your life, not all about your life. So I just love that you really had that, like, this is, this is not right. This doesn't feel right. This isn't me. And this isn't what I want my life to be about.
1: And, you know, it's been so freeing and uh, I did your course and it was fantastic. And it was like the intuitive eating and trusting me trusting my body trusting that my body knows what i need and it has been the most uh, like just i want a better word than freeing <laughs> liberating <Yeah. laughs> liberating thing in my life and i just i know oh, hey you know what i do want a piece of chocolate okay but i want a piece of chocolate i'm not going to eat like 12 bars, (laughs) you know, because I don't know if I'm going to get it again. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because you trust that if you want something, you can honor it. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that you have to earn it, account for it, make up for it, or even think about it beyond. That sounds good. Let's have that. Like that can be like literally a 30 second, less than a 30 second conversation. Whereas when you're dieting, or constantly trying to make your food desires match your available choices, you're constantly bargaining. And there's no joy in settling when it comes to food. Like there is no joy in settling for, you know, cauliflower pizza, when what (laughs) you want is pizza. You know, it can fill the hole, but it's not going to satisfy you. And the satisfaction piece, I think, is what you've really experienced is that, you know, you can be satisfied and not feel like you have to have more than what you need in that moment. Whereas when yeah. you're restricting, you need so much more than you've probably actually need to feel satisfied because you're in that scarcity mindset. I have no idea when I'm going to have this again. If I've actually gotten to the place where I can give myself permission to have this, I'm all in. And I'm going to be all in until I feel bad about myself again. And then we're going to start all over again. So what is it like being out of that? Like, tell me how your life has really kind of changed. And I always say about the best thing about undieting is all the head and heart space that it frees up to do the things that you actually want.
1: So have you had that experience? Can you relate to that? Absolutely. It's, it's, it takes up so much less time. Like, you know, I can sit at the beginning of the week and say to the kids and my husband, "Okay, what do we want for dinners this week?" And it's not, well, I I can't have this because I'm not eating rice, or mm. I can't have this because it's just like, okay, what do we want? Okay, we feel like this, and you know, it's funny because every Friday we order out, and some Fridays we all we decide do too. On, oh yeah, I love it. It's it's like this yeah. exciting at the end of the week. Woo! Um, <laughs> so sometimes we decide, okay, we're all going to order a or, you know, and then sometimes we say we're going to do our own and we call it the, the smorgasbord. You know, we're each going to get something we want. And I find it now because I, I don't have limitations on what I can have. Sometimes I'm like, I don't really know what I want. Like, I don't, I I almost don't feel like the pressure, like, you know, before it would be like, oh, I can't wait because we're going to have like you know McDonald's or something, and now I realize I don't like McDonald's at all. No offense to McDonald's, but you know I, I don't, I don't enjoy it, and I don't want it. Whereas before, I would have it because it was this thing that, like, like you know, you're not supposed to have it. So you know, yeah. to have it was this, ooh, you know. And now I'm like, if I'm gonna eat, like, I'm gonna eat food I like, and I realize I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to come up with what I want because I really and have trusted myself for so long now that I'll be like, I kind of feel like just maybe having something small, you know, and the kids like, you know, they'll get these big burritos or something. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't feel like that. Like, it's just not a, so I love that. I love that. And it kind of annoys my husband because he's like, you know, now you're making it difficult because you don't know what you want. And I'm like, but I love that. That's the freedom that I can literally pick anything. I don't have to be confined to, Either I'm gonna go all junk because I can, because it's Friday and it's junk day. I don't feel like that anymore. Cause if I wanted to have some McDonald's french fries, I could. You know, nobody's gonna have breakfast if you wanted. Like
0: yeah. that's where the permission piece comes in. And that's how it really translates into, you know, an actual change in mindset that becomes intuitive. So when you're earning food and it's a reward, you're always gonna want more. It's like if somebody says, You can win $1,000 or you can win a million dollars. You're always going to want the million dollars, right? And you're going to try just as hard for the thousand as you will for the million because it's free and it's a reward and you feel like you've earned it. But if you knew that you could literally open every door in your house and find a million dollars, you wouldn't constantly be looking for it because you know it's there. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with food. When you actually can get your head wrapped around the idea that food does not have to be earned or tracked or explained or whatever, it can actually be sometimes hard to know what you want. And I think that that is definitely like an evolution in an intuitive eating experience. And I've had that too. I've had times where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to like grab leftovers out of the fridge when my family's eating takeout on Friday night because (laughs) I didn't want the pizza. I didn't want the sushi. I didn't want that. And I'm just like, but I'm hungry and I have to eat. So I'm going to eat, but I'm not going to, like, I just don't know what I want. But... You know, I think that that's the the body trust piece of the journey that is unimaginable for people until they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, when people start an intuitive eating journey or undieting journey, whatever you want to call it, they really don't believe that they will get to a place where their favorite foods or the foods that they have always binged on or the foods that they've held in restriction will reach what I kind of call food neutrality, right? Mm -hmm. Where there is no value, there's no morality, there's no guilt, it's just food. It can be pleasurable and should be, and it can be enjoyable and it can be satisfying and you can look forward to it and you can celebrate it. You can do all those things, but you never overthink it and you don't feel guilty and you feel better physically, mentally, and emotionally because of it.
1: Oh, 100%. And I, that's part of the thing, like, when they want to get these burritos, I know that if I eat that burrito, I'm going to feel sick because it's so much. And so I don't like that feeling. Whereas before, you know, I would be like, oh, my God, I may never get it again. So I'm going to eat everything I can right now, you know, and yeah. then feel so uncomfortable after. And it's just such a it – it is – I feel like I, I really – I I try to be gentle with myself with this, but I feel like I spent so much of my life feeling less than and feeling. um, And for no reason, for no reason other than because like my mom was never somebody who uh, talked about my weight as a bad thing. She never did that. She, mm-hmm. she would try to say, um, you know, why don't we do this or what? You know what I mean? She never put labels on me or anything. And it, so it wasn't coming from her right? It wasn't coming from my mom telling me, you know, you need, you need to take some pounds off. (laughs) You know, it wasn't coming from that. It was coming from, like, I have this vivid memory of being like, must've been five years old. And I had these purple jeans, like Michael Jackson had, (laughs) and I love them. And I remember my belly was too, like, I couldn't get the button and the zipper done up. And I remember thinking, well, if I could just cut that off. And I thought, like now as an adult, there, there's no way as at five years old that I should have even known what that was. It should have just been like, hey, these pants are too tight. Can we get another pair of purple jeans? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's what it should have been. But that diet culture just seeps in so early and really gets gets a hold. And one of the things I'm loving now is how everybody's talking about Body positivity and you know being who you are and feeling safe who you are. I wish that we had had that confidence to talk about that then, but yeah. so thankful that we have it now. You know that it's everybody's talking about it. Everybody's feeling, um, like whoa, 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 diet culture. We see you, and we're done. And that's yeah, amazing. I don't want any other little people, little girls or boys or anybody to feel like their body is too big for their purple Michael Jackson jeans.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I think that I I want to hope that the next generation will be better protected from that. And, you know, I I certainly see it. I have two tweens and a teen and uh, I see what my teen shares on social media. And I love that she shares you know, things around body posit- positivity and inclusivity, and how, you know, we need to stop judging people for what they look like or, you know, who they are. But I think that for women in midlife, and especially I think for women over 40, there's so much programming that is still there. It's kind of like that our baseline operating system came from watching Oprah wheel out the fat on the cart right? Like, I feel yeah. like that image is like burned into our mind as, as fat being like the worst thing someone can have on their body. Yeah. And yet we saw her, you know, succeed and fail a thousand times. And despite all of her success in this world, it was still the thing that she spent her life's work trying to do. Yeah. But, And, you know, and we also saw, you know, people paraded on talk shows and, you know, things like that. And I think, how do we, how do we make sure that that default programming is long gone for the next generation? You know, how do we stop the the shaming of bodies simply because of what they look like? Because that's, That's the part that I that I still worry about. As a parent, I still worry about that. My daughter went to a clothing line. I won't give it, um, I went to a store when we were on vacation this summer. I'm not going to give the store any publicity. Mm -hmm. But it is a brand that, and I didn't realize this till we were in the store. She probably didn't tell me for good reason. But it's a brand that only makes one size of clothing. Like literally one size. And it's not even a number. It's just they only make one size. And And I thought, okay, that's gutsy for a brand, for one. But what message does that send to the, like, 95% of girls who will never fit that size? Mm. You know, and so there's still so much of that. And, you know, for women over 40, we've had that in spades from every commercial, every magazine cover, every family dinner, you know, and so I... I just want to say like how proud I am of you that you know to be able to do that and for anybody who can really step into this journey and feel safe enough to see it through to the other side, through what I call the messy middle, because the messy middle is full of quicksand, which is another 80s reference. I felt like everything.
1: (laughs) Yes, quicksand (laughs) was everywhere. It was a real concern back then.
0: (laughs) And I love that there's a meme about that. But you you know, you can see diet culture for what it is, and you can want to step out of it. But if you're unsupported, and not even working with someone like me, but just if you're unsupported in your family and your friends, in the people in your life that, you know, help care for you, whatever it is, there's quicksand everywhere. And it's Mm -hmm. so easy to just feel like you're, you're drowning, you're sinking, and you don't know how to get out of that diet cycle, where when you feel bad about your body, the default programming is, oh, time to start a diet. Like Mm -hmm. that, instead of being able to put an interrupter in there and like break the circuit and back it up and say, why do I feel bad about my body? How did that programming actually stick? Why did that stick? And because it can't be true. Like your
1: experience of this can't be what life is about. (laughs) There has to be more life, right? Oh, 100%. And people need to stop feeling like it's okay to talk about people's bodies. Like even if they have lost weight, don't say nothing. If they look happy, tell them they look happy. Don't comment on people's bodies. Like... (laughs) I don't. I don't understand why people feel it's so okay to say, "Whoa, you're putting on the pounds." No, <laughs> I know.
0: I know it's true. It's true, and especially with weight loss, I think that we need to keep in mind that there are many reasons other than intentional weight loss why people's bodies may be changing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may be cancer or illness related. It may be extreme stress it may be that they don't have reliable access to food, mm-hmm. you know, which after the pandemic is a real concern for families and, you know, for for people that that we wouldn't have expected it to happen to. So, you know, commenting on someone's body is just something we should never, ever do. Yeah, and I, and I, I even try now, me. like, not to tell people that they have, like, that they're having a good hair day. Like, I try just so hard not to see someone's, physical appearance as worthy of compliments, unless it's like they totally changed their hair, you know what I mean? Something like Mm -hmm. that. But, um, you know, it used to be like this, you know, conversational thing, like, oh, did you do something different with your hair? And maybe I'm overthinking that, but I'm just trying to step away from any comment about any part of someone's
1: body. You know, it's, my mom told me the story of when she was younger, and it must have been in the 70s. And she said that, at um, some diet program, if you came in and you gained weight, they would make you wear a pig nose for the rest of the meeting. Can you imagine? Like, no wonder people were so messed up. And I feel like that's kind of what people like to do is they like to put an imaginary pig nose on other people. Oh, look, that one's got weight on. And that one's, I had a kid at my school yesterday call me fat. And I, here I am feeling so cute in my like red hooded sweater from my union. <laughs> I'm like, I feel really cute today. And then this kid says, Hey, you're so fat. <laughs> and I was like, huh? <laughs> you know, and it wasn't one of my kids. Like it, yeah. you know, it wasn't one of my kids. So I couldn't say anything, but this little, maybe grade two or grade three, I looked at him. I'm like, that's not very nice. And then, you know, he kind of was like, Oh, like he didn't. I don't know what he expected the reaction to be. Mm. But you know, he was kind of stunned for a second and then he just walked away. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. well, <laughs> what the heck? You know what I mean? Like I just think we have to get to a place where people are not comfortable to say things like that. Like no matter who they are, whether they're a kid, I'm, I'm used to people like kids saying, Oh, how come you're so big? Or how come you're, you know, different or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And I always say to them, well, how come you're so small? Or how come your hair is this mm-hmm. color and my hair is this color? Cause we're different. Right. And it's, it's usually always from a place of, you know, like, like they're just wondering, right. Cause kids and I work with kindergarten kids. They're curious about everything, which is what I love mm-hmm. about them. Um, but to say it like that, it was almost like it was an intentional, like, you know, hey, (laughs) you know, and I thought, wow. "Wow."
0: (laughs) You know, I think this is a a totally separate podcast, I think, but I I love how you, how you handle it. And I love how you talk to kids about it. And one of the other strategies that I, you know, I've heard about is, you know, kind of asking, especially younger kids who really may not know what the meaning is behind the word or what the intention is, they probably have just heard other adults in their life talking about it is to say, what do you think that word means? And if mm-hmm. they say, well, it means that you have a big body and what does that mean? And then, you know, if they say, well, it means that you're unhealthy, then you can kind of keep the conversation going and say, does it, how do you know I'm unhealthy because I'm in a bigger body? Yeah. You absolutely.
1: know, I, That's and, really just, good.
0: <laughs> and to really kind of like just gently start to think about what does that word mean in our society? And what does it mean when we use it? And because I have far more hope for changing the next generation than this generation when it Mm -hmm. comes to those labels, I love those conversations. So- That's yeah. right.
1: Actually, I'm going to use that. I know it'll happen again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because so maybe you if he even, says it again.
0: Because <laughs> then you can even expand the definition of like, well, what does healthy mean? You know, does healthy mean that you go to the gym every day, or does healthy mean that you go for a walk, or does healthy mean that you go to bed at night and get eight hours of sleep or does healthy mean that you have a way to deal with stress or like to really expand the definition that healthy is not defined by the size of your body it's what mm-hmm. you do with it and how you nourish it
1: yeah it's even the hard like you know during the curriculum and seeing they talk about healthy and not healthy foods and i struggle with that because oh, i'm like don't even get me started I know I'm like okay let's just talk about foods that we like (laughs) you know what foods do we like what foods don't we like what foods do we have to sometimes eat because our parents tell us we have to eat them (laughs) you know kind of thing right because you know I'm like oh I don't want to and it's it's so full but I mean don't even get me started on the education system there's a lot of things that need to change there we could be here for four hours
0: (laughs) plus I think that might be like a 10-part series
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: yeah Erin, I can thank you enough for sharing your experience so candidly and just for, you know, kind of pulling out these nuggets of wisdom for, for me and for anyone who's listening. So my last question to you is, what do you think is the missing ingredient in midlife?
1: Hmm. I think, I think love, I think love for yourself and, Uh, patience for yourself too Mm -hmm. because our bodies are changing so we are so lucky to be women (laughs) we are so lucky we go through so many different changes in our (laughs) lives and you know we do it with grace mostly (laughs) but then sometimes you know things happen that you know we get a little you know heated at some times in the month when things don't go you know what you expect and I think if we just have that piece of love for ourselves and just remind ourselves hey we're going through a lot you know there's I don't know how much time we have left but I know that there's a lot of talk being brought to the procedures that women have done and how they're not given pain medications for them. And yes. I had a uterine biopsy done a few months ago and I asked the doctor, "Is it going to hurt?" and he said, "Well, I can't lie." And then I said, "Well, like what do I what do I do?" <laughs> you know, what like what's the scale here? You know? And it was just sort of deal with it, you know? Oh, and yeah. I thought there's like we need to we need to listen to women and we need to really see that all of the things we go to go through, sorry, they are so our experiences, it can be painful, but a lot of times people are doctors say, no, it's not, you know, it's just, it's just your period, you know, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, we need to listen to women. We need to listen to them and honor their experiences and patience for ourselves too, because yeah, there are times when you know, we are too hard on ourselves. So that's two ingredients, I think. But I love love it. Thank you so
0: much, Erin. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Midlife Feast. If you're trying to make peace with food in midlife and feeling a little stuck, I'd love to help you. Visit my website for information about how to work with me one on one, or to sign up for my group program beyond the scale. You can find the link in the show notes on Instagram at menopause.nutritionist or visit C A.